Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucking ears. What the fuck, Nicks? It's Mark Marin. This is What the Fuck. I am broadcasting from Kilkenny, Ireland. I have not been here in 10 years. And I got to be honest with you. When I was coming over here, I was not nervous, but I kind of remember my last trip here. And as you know, I do have an aversion to traveling internationally, traveling abroad. I'm getting over it. The fear is leaving me. But I do remember that when I was in Ireland last... I thought it was one of the most beautiful countries I have ever been to. And I have no Irish in me. Granted, my last name is uh, Marin. So throughout my life, I was often referred to as Moran, which I believe is an Irish name. So it's been implied that I may be Irish at times when people were making the mistake. And depending on the company, I would say, no, I'm, I'm not Irish. I'm a Jew. And then it, uh, obviously those people would be disappointed and walk away. But I've always been very attracted to the country because it is so fucking beautiful. And again, the last time I was here, Kilkenny, 10 years ago, I'd literally just quit drinking months before coming here, which is a, it's like a mortal sin here. It's really, and I don't want to be hackneyed about it. I mean, the people drink here. And I remember I came here, I had just gotten sober and, and I really just did not engage with anybody. I felt alienated. I felt alone. I felt rejected by the entire country because on some level I was, I remember going to AA meetings here and there were literally five people at that meeting. Alcoholism is held very near and dear to uh, to public pride. And, and that's not hackneyed. It's just been my experience uh, when I've been here. Now, this time around, uh, I'm looking forward to being here. I, I've recently overcome my fear of performing internationally because of the Glasgow incident, as you all know. And uh, last night, I did a show for mostly uh, festival workers. The uh, I'm here at the Carlsberg Beer Cat Laughs Festival. And uh, the show went pretty good. A little bit of resistance. I don't know what the resistance was. I hope it doesn't continue because, as I said, I am excited to perform for the uh, for the for the Irish people. I'm I'm happy to be in the UK. And uh, let's get to the crux of it. I had to turn my life around this morning. I went running. I ran by Kilkenny Castle, and it's just it's glorious. The history here is unbelievable. I know nothing about it. It's a huge castle. Here we go. Let's Google it. Kilkenny Castle. Uh, is a castle in Kilkenny, Ireland, built in 1195 by William Marshall, first Earl of Pembroke. Okay, I'm lost. Sounds too complicated. A lot more than I, I, I could ever imagine learning, but I am impressed by it. I basically took this beautiful run this morning past this castle, and I thought, wow, that is beautiful, and someone important lived there. Probably many important people lived there. But the one thing you get the feeling of is that Unlike our country, now I'm not shitting on America, but uh, I got to tell you, shit here was built to last. Are you fucking kidding me? 1195 that was built? My house was built in 1924. It's about to slide down a fucking hill. It's spectacular. The masonry here, I mean, clearly it's possible to build a wall out of rock and basic mortar that will last a thousand years. But that's not the American way. You got to build it to break down so people can be employed. That's what we live in. Disposable culture. Everything's got to break down in order for people to work in America. Everything's got to be garbage. It's a mandate. So I took this beautiful run along the river and the air is so clean here, man. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you because of all the green, because of all the trees and the plants. And it's just so lush. It's so clear. It's so clean. It's so fucking great. And I'm running along this this river next to this castle and I'm listening to the Rolling Stones. 
in my head and like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Because in my mind, I'm programmed that when I'm exercising, do everything you can to avoid that you're exercising. But here I'm running through, um, it's the freshest air, it's the cleanest atmosphere I've been in, it's beautiful, and I've got the Rolling Stones blaring in my head. So I turned it off and pulled the earphones out and just listened to the water and just listened to my breath and just enjoyed the uh, the Irish scenery. So I, I guess there's there's nothing really hilarious about what I'm experiencing here, but I, I am happy to be here, and I'm hoping that the, the shows go well. I'm very excited to uh, to perform here. And, and, and it took me a long time. I, I got to be honest with you. I had a, an aversion to Irish people uh, when I was in uh, college. I lived in Boston, so they were specifically American Irish people. I felt that they were all out to get me. I felt, uh, you know, my, my feeling about the UK, and it still sometimes comes up, is it's not unlike um, Dustin Hoffman's character in Straw Dogs. I, I just think that, you know, I'll be here for a couple of weeks, they'll, they'll be on to me, and if I'm with a woman, they'll, they'll all gang up and rape her, and I will be powerless unless I can figure out how to mathematically, you know, kill all of them w- within the, within the uh, dwelling that I'm in. Getting back to Boston, yeah, there was a time where I just... I really thought the Irish were out to get me. It all it revolved around an incident where I was pulled over. I remember the day, it was the day John Belushi died. I was in college. I got pulled over. I didn't have a current insurance card. So they towed my car and sent me home. This Officer O'Brien. Officer O'Brien sparked a, you know, a, a sort of several-year paranoia of the Irish. And then I had to go to some sort of arraignment to get off the ticket. And O'Brien was there. And then I was with a magistrate of some kind. I think his name was Malloy. Let's say it was you know, for sake of the story. And, uh, you know, I told them I got my insurance back and they, uh, they looked at me and said, well, you know, we'll let you off because, uh, you know, it's Easter Sunday, this Sunday. And then O'Brien looks at me and goes, yeah, it's Passover too. And, you know, from that point, I got a little uncomfortable. I'd go to bars in Boston. I have too much to drink. And I think there was an Irish conspiracy to, to, you know, to take me down. It took a long time to, to get rid of that. And I'll tell you, it's nothing like that here in Ireland. I, the last time I was here, one of the only things I remember about being in Kilkenny was a story I like to call the history of Irish poetry. I was in Kilkenny. It was late at night. It must have been 3.30 in the morning. I was walking down these, uh, the streets of Kilkenny, I believe, with another comic. I think it was Dom Irera, who's up here again. Maybe we'll talk to him. And uh, the streets were pretty empty. The pubs had closed. It was really quiet. It was, it was quite beautiful. And then out of nowhere, this man appeared in the, in the middle of the street, a, a large man, fat, had a white shirt, he's sweaty, his face was all red, and he was holding a half-filled pint glass of, of beer. There were no open pubs around. And, and he saw us, and he looked at us right in the eye, and he raised the glass up, and he said, it's good to be happy. And then without missing a beat, he lowered the glass and lowered his head and said, there's no hope the history of Irish poetry. So hopefully in this show, we'll get to talk to a couple of English comics, a couple of Irish comics, maybe get out and see the scenery. Brendan McDonald told me to go to a place called Kells Priory, uh, which is some sort of castle, some sort of ruin. They don't seem to care much about how beautiful their ruins are. I guess you take it for granted after a certain point when you're sitting on about 2,000 years of histories. I mean, you know, there are people here, I, you, you picture these castles, it's just unbelievable. And the, the history of the Catholic religion, the history of the Protestant religion or whatever history it is. I mean, you know, these people, these people lived in these castles that you know, probably had relatives that knew Jesus. And that's why he's so important here, because so-and-so used to know him and he's coming back. I don't know. Am I going to do jokes about the Catholic Church? I did it last night. Got a big laugh. It was an uncomfortable laugh. God damn it. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'm in Ireland, right? 
Okay, so these are the dark times. I'll tell you what's happened. I just did my first show in Ireland for a regular audience. Last night I did a show for mostly the staff of the festival. It was fine. It wasn't easy. It's almost like you're telling your jokes underwater to a certain degree. I don't know if it's a cultural difference or what, but it's difficult. And tonight I did my first real show. It was an 8.30 show. It was still light out. Smallish crowd, but you know they were seated properly. I was the first one out and was fucking awful. Just like pulling teeth. And these are jokes I know work. So now I've got to fight to not fall into that isolated, you know, fuck this place, fuck them. <coughs> I hate this feeling where you do a set, it should have gone fine. And I didn't chase them down. I didn't, you know, try to go out and get them and, you know, become more open. I just sort of locked in, did the jokes. I knew the temperament of the crowd. I knew their level of engagement. And I just wrote it out. And then I got off stage and I thought, oh, fuck, is the whole goddamn trip going to be like this? So all the beauty that I took in today, all the history of this country, everything that I love about it, the way I framed my way of mind, my way of thinking to come here and think that everything's going to be okay, is now disintegrating. And now I'm cloistered in my room, like I'm, I'm, I'm like a prisoner in the castle across the river of my own decision, my own making. I mean, what, am I going to wander around the city knowing that I didn't enjoy my set and, deci- and I've decided that they don't like me, they meaning the entire country of Ireland, Irish people in general? Maybe my particular form of neurotic self-awareness is no match for, you know, generations and centuries of oppression and misery. I just don't speak to that. Or maybe I shouldn't speak to it at all. Maybe if I was a broad storyteller, maybe if I talked about farts and drinking and pissing on myself, if I if I was just a little more body, is that the word? I don't know. Now I'm laying on my bed. Just thought I'd share this with you guys. That as beautiful as everything is here, when it comes right down to it, if I go to another place, eventually I just end up sitting in my room. And now it's like eight hours or five hours later than where most of my friends are. My phone doesn't work here. I've just eaten a hamburger, which was good. That helped. I don't have immediate access to ice cream, which is probably fine. But it's just horrible. This is the horrible times. When you're a comic, I don't know how many guys go through this. This is some weird time we don't really talk about. That's not true. We talk about it. But it was just disappointing, you know, and I, you know, and there's nothing to do all day except go look at how beautiful everything is. Now I just had this stink ass fucking tanko set and I don't even want to socialize because if I do, I'll be like, yeah, I don't know. It kind of sucked. I'll be like negative guy as opposed to just be fucking professional and say like, yeah, it was a little tight. I guess I could do that. Yeah, it was a little difficult, but it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I'm having a good time. I like sitting in my room wondering why my life is the way it is. I think I'll be okay tomorrow. I don't know. They don't seem to have any uh, real range of breakfast options. There seems to be French fries with everything. Everything is a lot of food. And you can't just have that much bacon around and not expect people like me to eat it. But maybe in the morning, the bacon will erase the sadness. Not even bacon, rashers. Rashers will erase the sadness. And I'll go at it again tomorrow and see if I can get them uh, to be comfortable with me. And then I'll be comfortable with them. 
I thought I opened pretty comfortably, but then I just felt this sort of resistance. So like, how come he's not, you know, uh, you see, I just projected an entire disposition onto an entire culture of people. And it's a dis disposition that did not accept Mark Marin. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This is uh, Maeve Higgins. I, I know you because we have a common friend in Morgan Murphy. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. I, and I'd like to say that we are friends again, Morgan and I. Oh, good. So there, there doesn't need to be any tension here. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to contact her to find it. No, I didn't know there was any. Oh, problem. well, that's good. You know, there are people in this business, they say they're friends with other people, but it just means you know them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't mean that she'll, you know, call you crying about something I did. Yeah. <laughs> You're not that close. No, I'm, I'm definitely friends with her, but I just don't remember any. Do I? It's okay. <gasps> Oh, shit. No, look at the surprise face for oh, you people listening. I think, were you being a dick before to her? Well, we were. I think we were in Edinburgh. I think you were yeah, there. Yeah, sorry. Now I remember. That's me. Yeah. Do you still want to talk to me? Yeah, of course. <laughs> now that we've put yeah, it all together. Yeah, and you yourself and Morgan have... So that's your personal life anyway, like... That's okay. That you know, it, It's all about my personal life, this podcast. Yeah. I know that um, I'm finding that in the UK, generally speaking, the personal life is the personal life. Yeah. And the professional life is a professional life. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You, there's not a lot of personal life going on in a deep, horrible way on stage or perhaps in public with people yeah. you don't know. <laughs> is that is that true or am I misreading that? Mm, I don't know. I think, um, well, I don't know what it's like in the UK, really. I'm trying to think, really. I do. I just do gigs in Edinburgh, but I don't massively do the UK other than that. But you do here, Ireland? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I do Ireland all the time, yeah. Because you come from here. Yeah. And I got off stage last night and I saw you and I knew that you knew Morgan and yeah. I knew who you were. Yeah. And uh, I felt rejected by your entire culture and country uh, because of a, a... It didn't go well. Well, I, I, I didn't feel like it went well. How did yeah. it go for you? Um, grand. I mean... Really was, grand? I mean, really? Mm, yeah. Okay. Honestly. I like, mean, you were backstage. Sorry. Mm -hmm. During my show. Yeah. Now, that wasn't grand. Listening to you. Yeah. Um, it was quiet with a few people who really appreciated it. Right. Like a few people who were cracking up. Right. And, and I heard from what I could hear backstage, there was a lot of people who were quite bemused by your stuff. Bemused. Yeah, I think. But they weren't, you know, they didn't like dislike you. Right. I don't think at all. Yeah. Um, like you have to remember, like here is is probably like here the audiences um, aren't, I don't know, your stuff is very personal and visceral. Yeah. So that might be quite, whoa, you know. Right. Like you know, why is he them. complaining? Uh, we have our own problems. Maybe. I, I don't even think that. I don't think it was like, oh, shut up about your problems. I think it was like, oh, my God, he's like c talking about like his ex-wife and it's so, it's so personal and he's swearing and everything. Oh, it's so like that was a bit, it? It's a bit shocking. A bit much for them. Uh, maybe. Especially first out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I feel yeah. a little better. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's like, I wouldn't take it personally. <laughs> because like, it's not, it doesn't mean you're like bad at comedy. It just means those gentle Irish people were... Um, Gentle, taken aback <laughs> gentle irish people were taken well, aback and bemused yeah, okay yeah i, I can yeah. live with that i think after maybe on like a friday night after people have had a few drinks and there's it's more of a you know weekend uh -huh. kind of thing then um it'll go better yeah because they'd be less uptight you know okay all right like the stuff that you were saying it would be quite rare to hear people saying that i think that's what i'm you know? experiencing yeah. yeah and it's, so you couldn't expect people to immediately be like yeah way, too know? personal so are you a big star here 
not really well, like Honestly. here it's hard to ireland is there's like four and a half million people it's a tiny tiny country yeah so when people recognize me on the street they're like hi Maeve that happens a lot I have to always check that are they do they know me from telly or do they know me from you know school, school or like <laughs> yeah. one of my mum's friends uh-huh. who's moved to Dublin or whatever yeah so it's kind of very hard to say like you're famous in Ireland because it's so so tiny but you had tv shows yeah but almost every comedian here has had a tv show I'd say doesn't that make a big difference um yeah it does yeah you did a really. cooking show? Um, yeah, me and my sister did a cooking show. But like, seriously though, like loads of people, because we had loads of money, the, the national stations had tons of money for mm-hmm. the last few years. So if you like, had any kind of idea and said you were a comedian, then you'd probably get a series. <laughs> I should do know? that. Yeah. <laughs> I should do like a really raw, personal, American, needy man show. Just to yeah. make people in Ireland understand that there are we have them. Yeah, yeah, they definitely, that would definitely be different than the usual stuff, which is like, you know, hidden camera shows just jumping out and being like, oh, you thought I was a statue. And if you were like, oh, you know, my life, then you it would be a big hit, I'm sure. Why isn't that part of, it's really not part of the culture the ah oh, my life um, you kind of suck it up and drink it down here i mean i don't know i mean like people who who've done that, i mean i'm not i don't want to categorize you now or anything that's okay but I can um, handle it. people who you know say like woody allen years okay. ago when yeah. he made films like they were went down really well with a certain group of people here right it's not like it's but only, those people are gone they've they're, left <laughs> <laughs> they're probably maybe a minority i don't know i wish i was a sociologist really but i can't explain why is what, it a jewish thing you think is it a jewish thing i doubt it we're the most down and healed people in the world like talking when we we're very um sorry for ourselves yeah yeah you know all the english and all this Oh, right. Give someone a few drinks and then the modeling stuff will begin. Oh, you know? so maybe it is about the alcohol. I I think it's got a lot to do with it. It's not disgraceful. It's no, terrible. I don't, I don't know. It, it seems to be uh, accepted and uh, integrated into the culture yeah. of many generations. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's gross. So how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have six sisters and one brother. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you know them all? Um, yeah, I'm. Um, I'm like obsessed with them all really yeah yeah do you talk it's, about it's all terrible. of them on stage i am um, i talk about yeah i do but i'm not like um do i talk about them yeah but i'd never i'd be terrified of getting their bad books oh right you know because um if you're i don't know if you're from a big family at all are you i'm from a, a small family just yeah. me and my brother oh and, yeah, uh, yeah and i don't know if i'm in i like the expression bad books i, I don't think i've crossed over into the bad books no <laughs> i think that no matter what i say my family just likes the attention yeah <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's bad, yeah. you're like, oh, you Mac phoned us. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no, I think if you do something wrong with my family, it gets talked about and magnified by you know the other nine people to the extent that it's like crazy to ever put a foot wrong. You know. So, oh my god! So you must have like when you grew up, there must have been something equivalent of town meetings just to have the family. Oh, all we together. had meetings actually. Yeah, where um someone kept notes every every week. We had them on Sunday. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. And how did that unfold? Were um, there complaints and? It would be yeah. Everything was like out in the open, and um it would be to my everything would be addressed to my parents, and then they'd say things to us like that they were unhappy with or or happy with, and then we we have the old books at home still, and we read over them, and it's so <laughs> funny because some people come across as like really really like needy other people i'm always so aggressive in books like it's unbelievable <laughs> and now like that i've got older i can't bear if someone doesn't like me but when i was small i was such a little bitch like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh my god everything just telling tales and making stuff up oh how is that not a one yeah. person show the family meetings yeah i the know books. i'd love to do it but um they it's not fair i guess on them you know because already and um, mark we all have all my me and my sisters have the same like basic head with like 
small differences like say like not a fringe yeah a slightly bigger nose something like that <laughs> yeah, yeah. so already by me doing stuff in public they already get recognized and you know like whatever so are you related to Maeve um, yeah say? or are you Maeve yeah yeah oh really <laughs> yeah, yeah you're that yeah. similar genetically um, yeah yeah it's weird isn't it and my parents look alike as well you see so I think that's I don't know something happens on you in I say I just, like they're like jazz musicians and like our, our heads are like take the A train you know and there's like slightly <laughs> different variations <laughs> and you so. got you seem fairly well adjusted for a comedian yeah 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 hopefully yeah. Do you, are you, have you gone to the states um yeah I've been over there a few times and how yeah. did it go for you um fine I think fine it's so tricky though isn't it when you're doing not in your own country like I like it because there's nothing there's no pre like uh, there's no preconditions that people would be imagining you'd have right well anything. I think it's similar both ways like if you're a big name uh yeah. and you get some momentum over in America like you know you're presented in a big way mm -hmm. then you get this great attention but mm -hmm. if no one knows you over there really then you just sort of enter at sort of working level yeah and and you're just another comic and i i have to assume as it is for me it's a little difficult to transition no yeah i'd say so i mean like when i went i went over there last year briefly for um for eugene merman was having a comedy festival yeah i've done that yeah 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 so well, I went, that's a good crowd i went over and they were lovely and it was like in brooklyn yeah with like cool just really nice laid-back people and then i went in december and i did some like clubs like <laughs> where into the city i did yeah like in the east village and stuff so i thought it was go going to be like i mean i knew it wasn't going to be like beatniks lying around the place but i you know i had ideas of what it would be it was like. just and dirty drunk desperate awful oh. just oh. like guys in suits yelling at me and which I'm clubs like, do you remember no i can't remember actually because the eugene merman uh, orbit is you know very sweet thoughtful you know brooklyn hipsters and then when you go into right. manhattan to just the regular clubs it's just regular dirty people that yeah. uh, go in for reasons that are sometimes i don't even know why they're at a comedy club right yeah, yeah. just get out of the rain or something and was it was it rough um yeah some of them like overall it was totally brilliant mm -hmm. and like it was really exciting for me who like i usually work in ireland i do bits and pieces in australia but to see people like of different like different color people yeah. than me like yeah. you don't even know how rare that is in ireland like it's just i do i've on, been here you know yeah, a few I, days <laughs> i was in scotland too i didn't see i i talk about it on stage sometimes that's yeah. uh, no black people and i you know my mis uh, my assumption was that there's something racist about it but this is just not the climate i know it's just <laughs> they it's just, just didn't make it up here it's geographical yeah you know i mean well we have had a lot more people from africa coming like in the last 20 years right you know so but you don't have the history of it like we do no, we didn't have any slaves, no. Yeah, yeah it's not a proud history. <laughs> we weren't, <but. laughs> <to>, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because of the class system, you used your own people as slaves. At uh, some the time. Well, you know, the yeah, whole, the, we were a colony ourselves, like, so yeah. it would have been the English. The English. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you resent the English now? Not at all. No, not at all. I think, I think it's... Um, it's history. I yeah. really think that. It's you a know. lot of history. Are you on top of your history? Because like, mm -hmm. I even just looking up the castle, I was you know lost. I'm like, I have no idea how yeah. to put this in context. I don't know much about that period at all. That's medieval history. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not it's complicated. up to date. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I know a bit about like the last hundred years, but... But not the yeah medieval stuff. Not at all, no. no. I thought I don't have any idea. I was thinking like, was there... No, I wasn't. Can you trace your was family? Was dragons? I was going to say. Dragons. Of course, it wasn't. I don't know when the dragons are here. Um, <laughs> when were the dragons here? But I know we had. Are them. they real? I know. I think we did have them. <laughs> I think they would fight the unicorns. And, yeah, um, exactly. People would uh, place bets. How can they don't have a dragon unicorn museum? <laughs> they should have a museum where I can go look at dragon and unicorn skeletons. I don't know. Let's get on to the festival manager. <laughs> 
Do, have you traced your family back? I mean, can you can your family find its way back in well, the history of Ireland? I mean, my house that my parents live in is fifth generation already. So I think we've always been recently the 1911 census came like became public. Uh, so you could look up your own, you know, for any Americans who wanted to trace theirs as well. Oh, like yeah. um, I live or I'm from Cove, which is the biggest port where people left from in during the famine and um, uh-huh. before and after that as well. So, so your family stayed? Stayed there. Yeah. Yeah, and they watched yeah. all their friends leave. Um, yeah, I think people used to come from all over the country to leave. Um, but Cove, because of that, then Cove was quite prosperous. Uh-huh. You know, in like a horrible way because we got their money, you know. Because they so, were leaving? Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. Whatever, they would buy iPods or whatever in Cove and then leave. <laughs> Have you traced family to America? Do, do, I mean, like um, generationally? Well, so a lot of people, when I was growing up, they would just like turn up at the house at our house and say like oh you know they'd be american older american people <laughs> looking for their family yeah and you were them yeah yeah and just have these strangers in and like give them scones and you know <laughs> try and think of like cute stories to tell them um, was that so, awkward that's hilarious yeah it was uh, I, I remember my mother getting really sick of it right but we thought it was cool because they would wear shiny clothes and everything you know so they were there was a lot of them a lot of I, uh, I think i remember it happening like about six times no kidding yeah just people knocking on the door yeah. saying oh my god yeah and saying like the sullivans and we'd be like oh where the higgins is it doesn't matter yeah. you know <laughs> and they'd expect to be fed and have tea yeah and, and yeah. you try to give them fragments of a history that they think they have yeah exactly and they'd sit there and go but was your uncle related yeah and they'd say they'd have you know maps or like family trees and um and the burks yeah you were your mom was a burke you know and my mother like no she was a kidney you know um so sometimes they weren't even relatives no um they never were <laughs> not once like, never you know, once no not once no. but they enjoyed having tea and yeah they did they were lovely and sometimes you give them a clue like you know oh there's sullivan's three three doors know. down yeah, go so, bother them yeah so yeah. you just have these wandering you know groups of american families or fragments of families walking up and down the street eating at people's houses yeah. for nothing and- yeah that's what happened in cove um <laughs> They, uh, it would often be old couples, you know, oh, really so, cute, round, roundy people oh, coming in, you know. There's lovely. something funny about that. Yeah, it was great. For was a great. show, like to have this old couple that just never finds their roots, but's pretty <laughs> sure that they have them. <laughs> and they're sent all around the neighborhood eating, but they never really find anybody, but they have a nice time. Yeah, yeah, poor <laughs> things. But it's such a, you know, it's such a nice thing for them to do, like to come all the way. And yeah. I'm sure... Um, the idea that they have of Ireland, it doesn't match up then, you know, so I think we're always trying to make it up to visitors, you know, like, yeah, I find that people here are very polite and generous and, and, you know, they're nice. Yeah. But then I don't know. I feel, I actually do feel like personally guilty when people have a rubbish time or when they go out and they're expecting like, you know, fiddle music and um, Irish dancers. And then it's just like, you people. know, a stag yeah. night, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. roaring football songs. You feel bad? Yeah, definitely. And what do you do? Do you say, look, it's not always like this? I, I've kept up the habit of inviting strangers to my house, actually. <laughs> do you dance for them or do you play fiddle music? <laughs> just so they have an Irish experience? I do. Me and all my sisters line up in a row. <laughs> um, no, just usually uh, talk to them and uh, resent them for agreeing to come. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do you have a website or something so people in my country can uh, go see you? Um, I'm on in America. Yeah. Um, yeah, this podcast, a lot of people listen to it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks they, for having me. They're not going to know who you are, and now they're going to know. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be, she seemed very charming and put up with Mark very well. <laughs> yes, I've upped my profile. Yeah, my maybe. dream. <laughs> That's every, every day I try and up my profile. Oh, well, th- I think um, this might do it. Is there any, I, I saw yourself on YouTube. 
Oh yeah, I mean stuff. Some of my stuff is on YouTube. I can't watch it, but I suppose that other people could easily. Yeah, you know. You, what do you mean you can't watch it? It doesn't work on your computer because or it doesn't I work think in your head. It looks like my face has um, caved in. I think when I uh, look at, <laughs> I feel that. Like um, now, I'm looking in the mirror now in your room. Yeah, and I can see normal face with just everything. You know, nose protruding, mouth kind of. But then it looks like everything is collapsed in. Like from the side. Anyway, you're you're seeing see that right YouTube, now? No, not now. When I look on YouTube. You right now, it's normal head. But on the computer, it looks to me like it's caved in. Oh, so you can't watch it. I can't watch it. Well, I, I can honestly say that when I was watching it, yeah. I, it didn't even occur to me that your your face had caved in. <laughs> <laughs> like I was listening to you your jokes. You so charming. <laughs> and <laughs> never did I say, what's what's gone wrong with her face? <laughs> So if you're a very kind man, if, yeah. you just don't see that kind of thing. You just don't see it. <laughs> no, I, I, I just my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> but if you don't, if you now, unfortunately, what you've put in the people's heads is that if they look on YouTube, be careful. I'd say to them, be, be with somebody else. Sit down. No, and don't listen to her. <laughs> Go enjoy. It's M-A-E-V-E, right? Yeah. Maeve Higgins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and just put that out of your head, at your mind. And her. you're not related to me, even if you think you are. But I'd like to go to your family's house for some free tea and scones. I can switch two letters in my name and be Moran and say <laughs> that I think that I'm related to you people. And then after a while, we'd go through the family trees and they'd say, no, your family left Poland and went oh. into Ellis Island years after the famine. You're a Jew. And then I'd say, like, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable. Is it OK that I ate here? And just snatch is going and run out. And run out. And, and then like the foster brothers and sisters will have the same experience that you had when you were growing up. Only a little stranger. Brilliant. Thank yeah. you so much for talking to me, Maeve. Thanks, Mark. Oh, this is tremendous. Alan Cochran has come to my room and he brought treats. Yeah, you can pick up the mic if you want. Yeah, I was just going to say that I listened to earlier when I was Oh, look at that. People bring you cupcakes to your gigs. That is so beautiful. I thought, I thought you people, are. What do you got in there? That's carrot cake. Oh, my God. Are you going to eat any? You told me this? there's jam in this. Should we get a knife or something and cut them up? Yeah, if you like. Or just Look at stick this. your fingers You want me to do it? I only really nibble at sweet things. Really? Well, you have that, you know, you seem very thin and, and it seems genetic. Like, I, I'm, I'm assuming that, looking at you, not judging, that you would have a hard time getting fat. Well, actually, I am fat and thin at the same time in that way that only tall, skinny men can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've got, like, what, where are you hiding the fat? Did you leave it in your room? I think I'm, there's some in my belly, but I, I you know, it's, I'm slightly body conscious right now. But that's Are I'm, you, in general? Just back after a holiday. So there's been fit people walking around with no clothes on near enough, and I've been walking around looking fat and thin simultaneously. And but, <laughs> I'm glad that you, uh, you're body conscious. I'm glad that you, you uh, right out of the gate have a, a vulnerability and a self-consciousness that I'm not finding in a lot of British people. Do you know what? I've listened to two of your previous podcasts yeah. and honestly thought I might not have enough fuck-ups to bring to the table because <laughs> uh, it does seem to become a bit of a therapy session. You don't the, have to. I, you know, I great. don't expect that out of people. You know, yeah. I, I can work within people's limitations That's and I don't... Great. Well, I, mine are... Yeah. I, in fact, I bet you find that a lot of the British comics or the British-based comics are a bit too balanced to be, <laughs> to be but, that interesting. <laughs> but are they balanced or is it something... Like, because I can't... Like, I had to, I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in Ireland. I have not been to Britain yet. I've not been to uh, London yet. 
I'm right. going in July. <clears throat> a lot of what I'm doing now is in preparation right. to deal with audiences that right. really don't seem to have the same depth of neurotic self-awareness that I do, and it's cultural. Yeah. Like, I think that the English people are just as fucked up. Yeah. But there's some other different approach to it. Yeah, it's... Um... I don't know. I suppose it's heavy drinking and just coping. Yeah, coping. <laughs> like coping. I was talking to somebody about you last night. Uh oh. Yeah, no, I was doing a little research. I watched you. I watched your comedy online. It was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. You have a good style. It's laid back, <laughs> smart. And then somebody told me about a show that you did called um, uh, Comedy with Some Sad Bits. Is that what it was called? Yeah, it was called Comedy with Sad Bits. See, because that's what I do. Mm -hmm. And I'd never heard it put like that because in my country, we, no one ever uses the word bits in that way. Right. You know, we do bits, but sad bits, when you, when you guys say it, it seems to have more historical resonance. Right. I see. <laughs> so what was yeah. that show? Um, that was a show where I, uh, I talked about my dad's death and its impact on my uh, brothers and my mum. And I mean, it wasn't... It, Actually, one of the reviews, or the major review of that show, not that the, the press should be, you know, adhered to slavishly, but one of the things that they said were, oh, there aren't that many sad bits, really. And I, this is a press criticism that I've had a couple of times that does slightly annoy me. Which is? Um, which is when they say, oh, when he stops operating in his comfort zone, this will be, you know, whatever. And you think... Don't you dare judge my comfort zone. The reason that show was easy to watch is because I stepped out of my comfort zone, made it funny, and not, oh my God, I've got to watch this through my hands, he's having a breakdown talking about his dad dying. I made it funny and made it watchable by moving out of my comfort zone early, then doing it in Edinburgh and getting it good and whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, it wasn't particularly sad. There was bits of... Um, sad bits in it but i like that show it was good yeah but that kind of that kind of criticism seems like a theatrical criticism it's I not suppose. it's not the criticism like because theater critics always want you to it's like well you know he took it to a certain point but yeah the, but his character didn't fully evolve because he wasn't willing yeah. to take these risks mm -hmm. what the fuck do they want us to do well also i just cry uh, did you cry no would no. you no, it would have been fake, wouldn't it? You can't cry about the same thing at the same time every night. It's too weird, surely. <laughs> well, people do, but I think it's... I don't think it's sinister, but I think it's extremely calculating behaviour to to fake crying in your stand-up show. And also, you then end up with that possibility where you're saying to your comedian friends in the bar afterwards, how was the show? And, and you go, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the stuff about my dad dying was as good as it was last night. And you kind of think, that's... A, <laughs> I, I didn't really cry as much about my dad dying tonight, and I don't know how f I'd feel about that. Yeah. yeah. But that said, I I am kind of interested in... I mean, I'm now a comedian. I can't do anything else. I've got no other saleable skills. So yeah, that's I know this that. Is, yeah. This is the life for me, yeah. for richer, for poorer. But, right. But I am also really interested when real life intrudes, and you so suddenly realise just how fundamentally pointless it all is and how little it really matters and it's it's fine it's fine for it not to matter it can just be you know that show that i was talking about where i talked about things that i thought were quite important like you know my teenage years and my mum and yeah. my dad it also had material in it about ikea and pizza and 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 i quite like that about stand up i think i enjoy the richness that if i want to do jokes about um the the fear of the day my baby was born and jokes about crisps i can i you, love that about it you kind of have to 
Yeah, well, it's... I mean, I wish I had more of that stuff. I mean, that's something I, I battle with all the time. That Like, I don't talk about sort of the mundane things that we deal with every day because my head is so spinning with shit, you know, right. that I can't get out of my own head. But it's important because you sort of have to have these places where people can latch on. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I've done that. All right, back into his head. Absolutely. I think it's the spoonful of sugar helps yeah. the medicine go down. I really do. I think, you know, if you can be a a funny guy about crisps then you they'll also probably cope with you walking down the road of your death whatever and mortality. else death, yeah, yeah. <laughs> although death is a weird taboo they're, they're, people are really funny about jokes about death that are too real you know yeah if it's not cartoony enough it gets a bit too yeah because most people don't want to really acknowledge that it, it's pretty inevitable yeah you, well, you know, they don't want that it, right it there really is inevitable at the comedy it? show <laughs> it really is it's one of the few uh, things that we're sure of yeah absolutely yeah do you ever get that like sometimes i don't know how i do it like sometimes like i don't know why the audience is there i don't know where it comes from i don't know why i'm standing there being funny i know i've dedicated my life to it and i've been doing it uh -huh. a long time but i don't know what the trick is i have no fucking idea do you ever yeah i mean i i work on my act to a degree but it's just uh -huh. an ongoing dialogue to me there are things that I'm like, well, this is going to be funny. You know, I hope this is funny. I'm going to try it out. But I still don't know what it is that makes me different than other people, really. Right. Like, I, I, I still see myself, like, sometimes before I go on, it's like, you know, this is ridiculous what right. I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how it happens. Well, that's um, one of the things I really like. When, when we were talking earlier about um, the, the ways of pulling them in by doing sort of shared experience right. material... One of the things I find, um, people take the piss out of uh, observational comedy, and it's poo-pooed, partly, I think, because Seinfeld did it so well, and people now remember the million bad imitators of him that right. he spawned at the time. Yeah, <clears throat> And I think it's sort of, the phrase that they use here sometimes is that you can smell the aftershave off it, you know, like for oh, American really? comics doing that I like that the kind phrases. Of, yeah. That's a good one. But... Um, I think there's something really interesting about when someone does observational comedy well, there's a strange inclusiveness to it where you sort of, sometimes from the back of the room, you see people point at each other going, you did that the other day. Yeah. And there's a sort of a really, it sounds a bit wanky, but I genuinely find some observational stand-up comedy quite touching. Oh, yeah. Go, oh, wow, we all do that. I thought it was just me. I can't believe someone, and it's, it's really about spotting the thing that we all do that we haven't spotted. It's not about spotting the thing we all do. It's about finding the thing that we haven't spotted that we do. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. But are you going to come to the States? Have you been? Uh, I, I would if I was asked, but um, in the absence okay, of... Okay, I'll ask you. Yeah. Will you come to the States? Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Let's put it in the diary. Where do you want to play? Um, where have you got? What are you offering? Well, there's a couple of gigs. That uh, hall. What's that Carnegie Hall like? I'll have sure, that. Sure, sure. You know, we can Is make that... a call after this. Yeah. And, uh, we'll Is see. That... We'll get Mr. Carnegie on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> see, you've never been to mm. work? I uh, I did um, like a little visit to friends in New York a few years ago. Was it? Actually, it was probably eight years ago. And did a couple of open spots. But that was it. And what was your experience? I was fine. I quite liked it, but yeah, uh, I can't even remember what stuff I would have been talking about then. I just wonder what the what it feels like for you guys, because like I come over here, it's like I have no idea what's going to happen. Right. I mean, I fuck my head up so bad. Really? You know? Are you just constantly going through what you say at home and just 
looking mm. at how many TV or product references. That no, none of that. It's just sort really. of like I just assume that we're not going to get along because of cultural differences. And then when I went to Glasgow a few months ago, I was like, oh, these they're, they're, we're, all this, we're all people. Yeah. And they're actually more able to listen to long-form material than Americans. Right. Their attention span is different. Right. It seems like it, you haven't been polluted here and in, in infantilized <laughs> and made into these, like, you know, sort of gratification-seeking uh, monsters that can't listen to things for more than 45 seconds. Right. That there's a cultural history of storytelling and paying attention. Yeah. Well, if, if, if that's what... You're worrying about you. You're, you're about to do gigs in Ireland. If you, yeah. if you want a cultural history of storytelling, you've come to the right place. I just don't know if I'm um, uh, I'm not Billy Connolly enough. Mm. I, I often think this about stand-up. They take what they're given, don't they? Yeah. Like you, you know, every now and again, you hear people in dressing rooms going, "Oh, I'm I'm just going to do the dirty stuff tonight." That that kind of crowd, and you yeah. think. Oh really? What you were going to go on and do the Jean-Paul Sartre stuff until <laughs> until you got here, and it's bollocks. It's the, at least go on and have them put their hand up and say, "Oh, we don't really want this yeah, stuff could tonight. Could we have your uh, yeah, other set list?" Too deep. Could you talk about yeah, your dick? It's bullshit. Yeah. Just you know, go I think on that's and offer true. them it. They I think that's what they're true. Given. And and particularly, you know, if you have that novelty value of your your an, an invite only festival where they they've they've been seeing good people come over for years so they're going to think all right well, he's been asked all right all right surely you can go on with them um... no i won't let last night bother me oh really just, was, last, <laughs> was last night a misfire shall we <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure something went wrong i'm not sure what it was whether it was me or oh really yeah, yeah. Well, badly wrong or just uh, no not wrong? badly wrong it was oh. you know i was the first up it was an early show it was right. kind of awkward and uh yeah, I don't know if I'm a first up kind of guy, but I've got right. three more where I'm first up, uh-huh. and I'm sort of a lot to deal with. But yeah, maybe I'll go in a little softer. That's the other thing that you sometimes forget about this festival: that uh, actually, all the things about your place on the bill still apply, even at an invite-only comedy festival. But you, it's so easy to walk on thinking, "Well, I've been looking forward to Kilkenny for three months. This yeah. is going to be brilliant." Yeah. And just and you suddenly forget, "Oh, they've only actually been at a show for." Nine minutes. The compass just brought me up, and now I'm opening. So yeah, exactly. the same rules apply. I still that is need true. to remember that I'm an opener. That, know, that is true. I, did, I like. I didn't want to quite see it that clearly, but I, I appreciate. Right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you want clarity of vision without any romance, come to me. <laughs> Plain speaking, Alan Cochran. What was the most awkward thing that's ever happened to you up to this time? <clears throat> well, it's not. Um, it didn't happen to me, but years ago at the Edinburgh Festival, I was doing some late night gig where someone said, "Oh, come and do ten minutes or whatever it was," and uh, and a really unpleasant man backstage who was a magician, uh, who was called Magic Pete, started to get heckled whilst being bad. I was MC of the show, and uh, being heckled while being bad. No, he was being bad, yeah. and this woman started heckling him, uh, uh, <laughs> and he got really angry and invited her up on stage to be a volunteer for his next trick. She walked up on stage, stuck her hand down her knickers, pulled out a tampon and threw it in his head and spun on her heel and went back to the seats. And uh, I think that oh is my still my biggest... God! When people say, what's the what's the weirdest thing you've seen at a gig? That's That's got to be up there, hasn't it? I've, I, I had no idea where that was going, and I Just didn't think it would go there. Tampon on the face, yeah. And what, what happened then? I can't remember. I was laughing that much. <laughs> did the audience blow up? Well, he uh, 
he just wasn't very happy and never really gained his composure. After the tampon incident? No, and it didn't help that I was the only one who was really loudly laughing and he saw me and, uh, but, you know. That is profound. It's quite nice that he wasn't nice backstage <laughs> when he was... Uh, that is like the that is so perfectly crass, yeah, and so unexpected. Yeah, and she was quite attractive too. So it's, no, it's perfect. Was she it's, drunk? <laughs> I you would hope either that or she's uh, she's an incredible heckler. <laughs> Take it to the next level. Yeah, is there a way you can edit this out of the podcast? I don't want to give hecklers ideas. <laughs> I don't think if they, if if any women are taking that idea and running with it. <laughs> I let them. They they yeah. uh, they deserve it. They got to be a special kind of woman to do that. Yeah. All right, Alan. Well, it's great talking to you, and thank you for the cakes. That's all right. It's a pleasure. Okay, here we go. All right. So I got my. I guess I call it my third show, but the second real show tonight. After last night's train wreck. I'm still going first, so I don't know. I don't like this feeling. I haven't had this feeling in a while, where it's like I'm scrambling in my brain to figure out which bits to do. How am I going to get them to like me? Is it going to suck? I've rebuilt myself since last night. This still happens. I don't know why it happens. Maybe it's because I'm in Ireland. You know, Maeve made me feel a little better, but uh, I'm still going first. It's the same room, probably more people. All right, okay, let's do it. Let's, yeah, let's do it. You're funny. Yes. You're, you're confident. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Bad. Okay, you're good. Who cares? Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. That's good. That's warm. It's gracious. Okay, I'm ready to go. It's the first time you've been all the way from the United States of America. It's the Mark Murray. And you know what? I'm exhausted. I think it's time for a shame nap. Appreciate some people understand the shame nap. That's great. It's a very unique nap. There's two naps I take in my life. There's the shame nap, but there's also the nap of self-hatred. Slightly different. Similar, but slightly different. Shame nap must follow something you're ashamed of that exhausts you. Self-hate nap can really happen at any point during your day for no fucking reason at all. This is going so good, I think I'm going to tweet it. Let me kill Kenny. Not going so well. Not my fault. They don't understand me. Fuck them, LOL. This is going to be good. I'm glad I'm recording this. So there's evidence of me doing, you know, mediocre in Ireland. I really want to have that for prosperity, dude. This is all on tape. Yeah, mediocre. Yeah. Is that what? Yeah. Oh, don't exactly. Well, I'm sorry if you didn't understand me. I apologize. I know this stuff works in other places, but I appreciate your input again. Perhaps someone later will make you laugh, you thick fuck. Thank you. This has been enchanting. Good night. Well, I don't know. Maybe I was sent here to be humbled. Who knows? I don't think I took it personally that time, though. I mean, stayed in my game, stayed in my disposition, had control, but still very disappointing. 
Maybe it's, I, I don't know, this is, maybe I needed this. Maybe I was getting too big for my britches. Maybe this is a, some sort of karma. But Jesus Christ, it's not fun, I'll tell you that. But it's pretty here. I mean, it's definitely pretty, a lot of history. Maybe I should just quit. Oh, God. All right, tomorrow's another day. Don Myrera is in my room in Kilkenny, Ireland. Talk about a short thing. Yeah, I. <laughs> there's, a, there's a huge party going on downstairs with just women that are that are wet, waiting, wet and waiting. And we're up here Irish. talking. Yeah, yeah. Tom Moretti, I got to tell you what happened last what? night. Eighteen-year-old and a twenty-one-year-old. Mm-hmm. Marge Barker was making out with the twenty-one-year-old. The eighteen-year-old was all over me. Uh-huh. Eighteen. I yeah. said, I said, do you know how much older I am than you? She says, uh, I don't care. You were on Seinfeld. Isn't that oh, great? Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. And then what happened, Dom? Is getting me uh, the affection from this little beautiful Irish girl. Did it go anywhere? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, yeah? I don't want to talk about it on the air. I'm sorry. You brought it up. I'm no, an I asshole just, now. Am I an yeah, asshole? Because- no, not, not an asshole because of that. <laughs> Other things you've done, but not that particularly. <laughs> Do you want me to in alphabetical order list the reasons you're an asshole? The top three, if you could. Okay. Well, first of all, <laughs> you always expected more out of your career than the talent you had. I uh, think. Wait a minute. Oh, come I, on. It's still going to happen. I can't. I'm, four, I'm 46. I Am I, no. Is it over? No, it's not even begun for you, know, you now that you're happy. You start to realize when you get older and you haven't gotten to where you want to do, you start... You haven't gotten to where you want to be. You start pushing your heroes up. You know, like, right. yeah, like okay, I'm not going to be in the Brat Pack. But, but you know, Rodney, you know, he didn't yeah. really kick off until he was 70, right? Well, it always gets later. It was actually <laughs> like I mean. 40. But now that he, <laughs> now that all of us gotten older, yeah, Rodney didn't really kick in yet. <laughs> no, he's like, no, what, really, 92, I think he I was. I think Caddyshack was the big thing for him. <laughs> it was, wasn't Actually, it? having me on one of his specials was what... Lifted him over the top. It's weird that we're in Ireland. This is the last time we spent time together. I remember the last time, 10 years ago, I'd meet you in the, for breakfast. I'd eat porridge. You'd eat the uh, eggs and the bacon. And I was very hard on myself. And you were like, Jesus. You were hard on yourself, yeah. Yeah. And then, Isn't it, it funny looking back on that now, thinking, why? You know? Yeah. Tomorrow yeah. night, I guarantee you, it's yeah. Saturday. Yeah. You're going to have great sets. I know. Are, are you serious? Because tonight wasn't so great. How were your sets? Uh, you weren't there? I killed. <laughs> I, well, you know, if I talk about it, then it just seems like bragging. So let's move on to something else. Now, actually, the first uh, show was hard. It was light out. It was a place called Pegasus, which, like, I don't know what their theme was, but there was a hanging black baby carriage. There was giant lions. It was like a place where, like, like a like a scummy orgy place. Where'd you get that sore? Pegasus? Yeah, how'd you know? You know, but that was that kind of sucked. And then because uh, I was hosting, you know. Well, what the hell's with these audiences? So why why can't I figure out how to crack them? And then well, eventually, I'm not going to give a shit anymore. But they're different, You'll right? Get them. You'll get them. But I'm the first guy out on both shows, uh, which is a bad choice. No, nah, that's not bad. That's you. Is it? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know where were you working. I was working at the at the River Court, the River right oh, here. Yeah. And it, you know, there's a big audience, 300 people, and I know, like, I know my shit works. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say, you know, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you people in this yeah, country? Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, is that the wrong? It. Is that the bad open? Especially if you, yeah, if you open with that, what the fuck is wrong with you people in this country? Right. Yeah. How you guys doing tonight? Yeah, and then I said yeah. the only thing I learned here is that if you guys set your mind to it, you can build a wall that'll last a thousand years. Wow, that's that's good. <laughs> Cheery. I had a guy the other night that actually did, you know, I've never heard the Irish gibberish 
as much as being the Americans, oh, it's the top of the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But he actually, like, he was telling me jokes, which I didn't want to hear. First of all, he was like anti-Semitic, racist. He's telling me, he goes, the Jews got to let this Holocaust thing go. No. I swear. And he goes, you know, eight million... He said, uh, first of all, a lot of them are, would have been dead by now anyway. I'm by thinking, now. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then he goes, you know, the Irish lost $8 million. I go, really? He goes, yeah. Well, when the famine started, we had 5 million people, and we lost $3 million. So that's $8 million. Going, wow. I, I don't know if that, that math works for me. <laughs> what do you say? I didn't say anything. I just wanted the moment <laughs> to be over. You know, you know when you're standing there like a yeah. cat that's being held and one just wants to run away? As soon as he turned his head, I was gone. <laughs> they got to let this Holocaust thing go. They got to let well, it go. Well, somebody told me that they thought that the Irish were like the. They, they, they were just as oppressed as the Jews, that there is a, a history of oppression here. Well, yeah. That, 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 but, but you've been coming here for 15 years or whatever. How long? 20? 14. 14 years? And you, they know you, they yeah. like you, but like I watched an Irish guy go on tonight, kill. I mean, like kill, like within seconds. Like three references. Yeah, well, they, they, was, they just, you know, when I first came here, the Irish guys were relegated to the back of the bus because they just didn't have stand-up chops. Now that they've seen Americans do stand-up, they've copied the energy. Right. And they know how to hit it. And plus they're doing all esoteric stuff that wouldn't make sense to us. Now you imagine bringing one of them at least we could come over here and get laughs yeah Can you imagine bringing one of them over i know that yeah to, you know to the united states yeah. it's really tough and because we the lucky thing for us our media covers the world everybody knows seinfeld everybody knows the sopranos the movie the godfather all that stuff you know and but they don't have that they, they you can't bring a scottish guy to the united states or talk about father ted yeah they don't know what he's talking about right you know? but i also noticed too that like uh like if i see a, an irish guy in the states or whatever who do long form jokes yeah it's like there's no joke sometimes right it's right just like, it's a story yeah right it's just a story well they're they're great writers but yeah that's a different kind of writing Holy uh, shit. but it is funny to see the improvement in them and how they the audience does react because it's like ah because don't forget there's a per, there's a certain love for us and also a resentment for yeah. us because they think that we think we own the world now you and i are comedians we don't think we own the world but some americans do yeah and i know they know that yeah you know it's like when george bush was president i saw the gradual deterioration of their affection for us when you yeah. came over here during that time? Yeah, especially the second time he was elected. Because the first time, all right. But the second time, like some guy in Manchester. They're like, why did you do this? Yeah, me. You, right, Rara. Exactly. Yeah. I was in Manchester, England, and, and this guy goes, you Americans. I go, first of all, I'm a comedian. Yeah. It's not like Bush confers with seven or eight comedians <laughs> before he decides on some foreign <laughs> policy. Whether he should run again. I, yeah, I was just born there, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you were born here. Yeah. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so, whether they did you? Did well, you, the, the audience started clapping for me for saying that because, right. like, I you know what do, you know what does some kid who's born in Iraq do to anybody? Right. You know he's born there. You know they just want to have a life like the well, rest. That, of I felt this. that when I was in Scotland that there was this affiliation. Like you know you're one of them. You're part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I lived there. Oh, about Scott, about Bush? about Bush. Yeah, like yeah. You know, he's your fault. <laughs> right. He's yeah, always yeah, our fault. Got nothing to do with it. Yeah, but I, but now it seems like yeah, all these places have their own comedy scene, and it's much better. And they, you know, everybody seems to be. Uh, it's, it seems thriving over here for fuck's sake. It is, but they really love their own. Isn't that, it's funny that you would say for fuck's sake just yeah. for being here a couple of days. Yeah, because we never say that. But really, did is that no, I you, just picked that up? Oh yeah, that's rubbish. Do you usually say you're brilliant? You're brilliant for say you know you know you're grand. You're fucking grand. Thanks a million. Oh, thanks a billion for oh, fuck's sake for fuck's for being sake. so brilliant. Oh, should I put this garbage in the bin? 
Should I put my rubbish in the bin? <laughs> my rubbish in the bin. <laughs> what else did I say? Where should I put the rubbish? I come oh, up, like I never I'll heard. Collect you. I'll they, collect I'll you. I'll collect you. Like there's different parts of me all over. <laughs> like the scarecrow. I'm sorry that happened. No, they <laughs> say, I'll collect, you know, when they pick you up, yeah. I'll collect you around nine. <laughs> Okay, I look forward to being collected. Don't forget, my feet are in the in the bathroom. <laughs> Screw them yeah, all. Oh shit! I remember when I was a doorman at the comedy store, and you would go on over there. You remember what a fucking freak show that was? Yeah, of you course remember? I remember. Oh my god! Now, what years were you doorman? I was just a doorman from. It was like just a. It was like eighty seven and to and oh, okay. a bit of eighty eight. That was really the, the you know the everybody was of it. somebody was doing so many people were doing TV there. That's when Roseanne was discovered. Arsenio got a show out of there. Well, yeah, but by the time I got there, that was done. It was just Sam. So the place had oh, like, really? sunken into a demonic hole. Yeah, that was And scary. he always seemed to be above the whole thing. Well, Sam said that, too, to me. He says, you know, he says, you have a way of, like, you know, being friendly and being, but, you know, he says, you're just not a follower, are you? I said, no, I don't want to be a leader either, but I'm not a follower. And I said, I could never be in your fucking outlaws. Why would you be. want to be? No, you it's know. It's not your thing. No, well, you know, those guys, I mean, they had, they, they did a lot of drugs. I never did drugs. I mean, I'm just, I just wanted to be funny and get go to fuck home, you know? It's yeah. Like, but you, but like the guys you started out with, like when you started at like the improv, I mean, I mean. Mr. W.C. Fields, Mr. Yeah. Groucho Marx. Uh, but did you, what, what was the plan? You just wanted to be a comedian, right? No, actually I, I was an actor and I did a lot of theater. Actually, you know, I started in, in uh, I got my equity card through Children's Theater singing and they i did they thought i could dance because i was a good athlete yeah so i had to do all this tumbling and shit because i couldn't dance for the kids i could never do that one kick turn yeah, yeah the kids i was i was billy bones and treasure island i played the white rabbit and the wizard of oz is this on did you is do this bits? thing on hello <laughs> hello is the sound system working here what do you call a dog with no legs nothing no matter what you call him the dog is not coming ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Uh, you like that, kids? <laughs> yeah. No, I was. Uh, it was so weird because I'd be like the white rabbit, dressed in a white rabbit thing. Couldn't see my face, and these hot young mothers would come up. Yeah. Like twenty-two years old, beautiful girls, yeah. and I had the back like a white rabbit. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I love the fucking hop bunny hop on you. <laughs> and that's when you knew I got to go into comedy. No, You're no, in a rabbit's I, outfit. I honestly, as moronic as it sounds. It's, it sounds like it's contrived. I honestly was such a bad waiter, and I saw these guys like Gilbert Gottfried and Joe Pisco becoming celebrities in New York, at least, yeah. because of the comedy club. I thought, I can't do this waiter thing. I, I know I could do stand-up. And, but the thing about I had such an advantage, because I did improv before. Right. So by the time I got on stage, I already had stage presence. I just had no act. Right. And I couldn't even believe people did the same stuff over and over again. That was hard for me to swallow. You I know? see kids learn that when the, when the young guys learn that at the comedy store yeah. when they're sitting in the back of the room the, yeah. that, that horrible thing that happens on their faces. Right, like, they do the same thing. They thought it was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> he did it three or yeah. four times already in a week. Right, well, you try and do, try and do different stuff. Well, you always did. Yeah, no, no. I, I, yeah. I, it's better for me if I have that moment where I don't know what the fuck's going on. And it seems like when you do your jokes, that within them. You make room for something to yeah, happen. Yeah, you, you like something's to go on a little happen. rant or yeah, something. Yeah, just something's got to happen different. Yeah. I so mean, we can be happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, my theory is, my my goal is to do to be so funny, and if I can't think of anything really funny, do my act. Right. Not, I have to get through my act. Yeah. I love when these guys go, well, I, you know, I can only, I have to do 35 minutes because I build, I tell stories. I yeah. can't edit it. You know, it's like, it's not the Bible, <laughs> just <laughs> comedy, for God's sake. In all honesty, though, the, the funny thing about you is that, uh, you know, as long as I've known you, I've always laughed 
Well, that's good. It's amazing. That's good, right? Because back I, yeah, I'd be tired with most people, but uh, but you're always funny. It's well, as long as I was nice to you when you were a doorman, that makes me feel good because I love when people come up to you and they go. Eddie Griffin said to me, he goes, "Man, you were always nice to me when I was a doorman." I go, "You're supposed to be fucking nice. <laughs> that's not like that's not supposed to be an aberration. That's normal people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. You don't wait till the guy becomes a big act and you go. Well, now." I'll be nice to him. Well, you you were always nice, but you also had that thing because I got sucked into the Kennison thing. That oh, that's there was right, a, yeah. And that, like, you know, like... I, I forgot to... that you were associated with the end of that thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, was, I, I left before all the shit hit the fan. I uh-huh. mean, like, I hit my own fan. Right. But there was, like, a sadness to it all because, like, you know, like... There was like when you first get to the store, and you see it because you've been there a long time. Yeah. You get these you know bright-eyed kids who are like, "I'm gonna be a comedian." Yeah, and then you got to sit and watch, you know, which shitty path they take. Right, right. You know, very few get out unscathed. How are they gonna fuck their lives up? That's now right. They got a lot of things going for them. Right, and then I knew yeah. that like I'd cross some line because you know you had this look on your face, sort of like, "Yeah, good luck with the." Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember. I remember you getting involved with that. Yeah, and it was sort of like you know, yeah. I, I hope it works out. Like, there's nothing anyone can do. Yeah, but no, it was. No, no. No, you have to, but because like uh, just looking in your eyes, I'm like uh, this. I, I think I wow. chose the wrong door. That's amazing. You remember that because I remember it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to lecture you. You know, it yeah. wasn't my place. Yeah, and nobody could say anything. But we did all right. I mean, ten years ago, you know, I was a little dicey, but I, I seem happy, right? You seem great. I mean, the, the divorce I thought was going to break you, it didn't. It made you stronger. <sighs> Thank and, you. Uh, I saw you know. I saw that look on your face. It's a very hard thing to go through. That that separation of. All the fears and rejection and what you do wrong. And oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like I see pictures uh, of myself and I'm like, this is a terrified, heartbroken man. Yeah. You think you're hiding it. Like, you were, hey, what's going on? But it was, it was funny how when you were in that kind of pain, mm-hmm. one of the great things, we'll talk about a catharsis and a relief is that we can express ourselves. Oh, I know. Yeah. And you were going through and I could see, I could feel that fucking pain. <laughs> You know, because I've been there, man, and it yeah. sucks. You know, it's awful. You, you're always thinking about it. Yeah. You were, were you obsessed with thoughts? And stuff? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If I let myself now, yeah. like I can go back there. You well, know, yeah. like that. You know, that's a, that's one of the best jokes I have right now. Is that whole thing about when I heard she had a baby? Here, I thought I was yeah. over the divorce, and uh, I heard she had a baby. And my first thought was like, "Oh, that's your move." Yeah, right, that's okay. That's how you're gonna play it. I gotta tell you, Mark, and I, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Oh, but no. you, you made a big mistake losing her. I mean, now you, <laughs> your life will never be what it once was. And anyway, it was great being on your show. You know, thanks a lot, no, Tom. You, you know, <laughs> no, you know, remember Sophie, that cute little French Canadian girl? Yeah. The worst fucking thing that people tell me is, why. You and her broke up. She was fucking smoking. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, you know, it's like, why don't you ask me for a phone number, you prick? I know she was smoking. I fucked it up. What do you yeah. want me to say? Yeah. We're glad you threw it, but Jesus, did yeah. you fuck up? Oh, man. It never goes away. No. Yeah, especially the pretty one. So she had a baby. Yeah, Sophie had two babies since she saw me. Oh, she really I'm not trying to top you. She really hated you. She really hated you. Yeah, yeah. She showed you. I'll show you yeah. my little <laughs> fucking she twat had, work. She, she told she had two at the same time? Twins? No, no, she had one, uh, like Irish twins, one one every nine months or whatever. What, uh, but who, your ex-wife had a baby. Then was she pregnant when you were getting divorced? No, no, it all happened. But you know the weird thing is that you bring up is that the saddest part about it is that when you love somebody, who the hell knows? You know, if I'm capable of a real relationship or if it's ever going to work out. You know, because we're nuts. I mean, we're not. It's not an easy life we live. The stronger the act, the more fucked up he <laughs> that, is. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> and the thing is, is that though, like, and I and I know that you probably feel the same way. Like after all the bullshit is done, you know, I know why she left. You know, I can I can take responsibility for it. Right. But you know what? I just miss looking at her. Well, I do too. 
That's the fucking worst. No, I miss looking at her. You're yeah, well, of, you can probably still no, look at you. Know, I got pictures here. No, old do you ones. really? Do you I really think. miss her like that? Well, yeah. it's like it's not even anything specific. Yeah. It's just her being. You know, like sometimes I have dreams yeah, yeah. where it's like there's nothing in the dream other than I know that she's there. Well, what happened? So did sad. she reject you or you rejected her? She left me because I was like too angry and too crazy. And uh, get out of here, you! Yeah, I know it's sure surprising. Let me talk to her. Yeah, you want to call her? Yeah, <laughs> let's call. Let's get a part of the show. I, I haven't talked to her in like a year and a half. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I, I did everything I did after she left me to hurt her, and I, I don't know if I succeeded. But she, I haven't talked to her in a year and a half. Wow. Well, that's yeah. See, I always I never let go completely. I don't think you can. And like, I'm trying to get, yeah, it's fucking horrendous. And I try to get to the point where I'm like, you know, she just hired lawyers. It wasn't like she was directing this, but fuck that. She hired lawyers with both your money. Yeah, exactly. That's nice. I'm paying for you to fuck me. That's right. Thank you. And that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I have to, that's why I did a one man show. It's like, this cost me a lot of money, this show. To produce. I would have liked to have played you in your one-man show. Yeah, I would love to see you play me. <laughs> I'd like to audition for you. I, you know, when I take it on the road, like when I franchise it, <laughs> yeah, like Becker in The Caveman. Dom Marrera playing Mark, Mark Marin, Marin in, at, in Marin. <laughs> All right, man, thank you. All right, buddy, thank you. I'm in the room with the, uh, the legendary Des Bishop. Who is an American, but he's a fucking rock star in Ireland. Yeah, kind of. Well, you know, in that I I moved here when I was 14 and never really did a thing in America professionally. And But it's interesting because what's his name? Uh, Carl said, is that his name? Carl Spain? Carl Spain. Uh, yeah, yeah, we just did a show together. What we you- should talk a little bit about what happened in a minute because <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. You know, you de- and you dealt with it really well. But we were doing a show. Uh, I was a middle in, I guess. What well, everyone does the same amount of time, I guess, roughly twenty minutes. Yeah, and I did a joke about the Catholic Church, and and some woman yells out, "You can't make jokes about uh, sexual abuse. Were you sexually abused?" And then I, I responded to it, and she goes, uh, "You know, I'm an ex nun." <laughs> yeah. And this is five hundred fucking people in the room, and uh, and I it, it bounced back all right. I can't remember exactly. Uh, I can't remember what happened, but it worked out great. I mean, yeah. you, you built it up into a crescendo of applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, and to be honest, yeah, I don't know why she piped up because. Your sentiment was the po- is the popular sentiment here. Well, it was against the church. I think the reason that she addressed it was like you're still using you know child molesting as a punchline. Yeah, which is you're not really you're you're that, you're, yeah, you're, you're yeah. trying to you're trying to make a, a pretty cool joke about something that affects us all. And like in this country, a report comes out every six months that's like more and more. It's fucking unbelievable. Damning about right. what went on, and everybody was on board with it. You know it, what what happened that was even worse, which was amazing that I recovered from holding a. Well, that was the great recovery. Oh Jesus, man! I hear I was saying that like, wouldn't it be funny if I left England and became a born again Catholic? And then there was just de- death in the room. And they're like, said, Ireland. Oh, I made a mistake. Yeah. And I, like, I said, oh, I made a mistake. And, and the, the weird thing was, I don't even know why I made that mistake. So I said, I've never even been to England. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and it, yeah, it went great. But I, you know, I think in fairness, you, uh, it was quite obvious that you accidentally said England as opposed to the big mistake that people make is like yeah. big acts come here, big international acts. And they commonly say, it's great to be in the UK. Yeah. Because in their minds, they're doing like a UK tour. And right. D- Dublin is like a stop on the UK tour. Right. 
and they hate that. Chris Rock did that. Yeah, and, uh, he never came back from it? Not really. You know, it just gets, in, which is ridiculous that an Irish audience would let that get in their mind. Like one simple geographical mistake will stop them liking the guy that they paid like 60 euros to see. They're obviously huge fans of, but they won't let that go. But there's definitely, there's a, a sense of pride here that's like impenetrable. I mean, like they'll, they'll fucking turn on you. Oh, they will, yeah. But the, sure. what Alan or Carl said to me before the show, the host, you know, because I was saying you're an American, and mm -hmm. he said, yeah, but he's more Irish than he is American, in the sense that he said that, you know, he's able to show us us because, you know, he has both points of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I, they, they say I have the outsider's understanding. Yeah, is that what they say? Yeah, what does that know, mean exactly? I don't know, man, but that's uh, that's been on every blurb that's ever been written about me. You sound no. like you're from Hell's Kitchen, for fuck's sake. Well, especially now, with the scratchiness on my throat. But where do you come from, New York? Flushing, Queens. All right. Yeah, so I've got like a Queens accent. How'd you end up in Ireland? I got kicked out of school when I was 14. Got... They yeah, just like... Your family sent you to live with relatives a or A crazy what? idea came up to go to boarding school in Ireland. You came I mean, up with it? The joke I used to say years ago was that I, at 14, I got kicked out of school because I had a massive problem with alcohol. Yeah. And my mother came up with this ingenious idea to send me to Ireland of all places to go to boarding <laughs> school, which is only partially true. But yeah, man, it's not even like, there's no great story to it. The story is that a cousin of mine was visiting from Ireland. Yeah. I put the idea into my head. Yeah. I put the idea into my mother's head. And next thing- You're I going went, to Ireland. Yeah. Did you have family here? I have loads of family here. More family here than in the States. Like, we're very Irish-American. Uh-huh. But what I liked about the fact that you were taking on the whole sexual abuse thing, which I guess at times can seem almost like old hat now. So many people joke about it. But I was sent to a boarding school that ended up being the epicenter of one of the big reports about sexual abuse Get the fuck here. out of here. Yeah, my principal went to jail. He died about six Did weeks you know ago. what was going on? No, I didn't, but there was... You weren't hot enough? As Dom was, I wasn't Dom's hot joke. enough. Or yeah. else I was too streetwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's a true story. This is true. I walk into that school for the first time, end of August 1990. I'm 14 years old. I've never been to Ireland in my life. I've just left Flushing, Queens. The woman who was like a friend of the family dropped me off at school, Father Collins. I can yeah. name him because yeah. he's officially convicted. Yeah. Greets me at the door, and this is no word of a lie. The very first thing he said to me when he got me on my own was... Now, Desmond, there's a couple of words in Ireland that are different to the way that you would say them in America. And one of them is the word fanny. It's not the back, it's the front. That's exactly what he said. And then what did he say? Can I see your fanny? No, I, no, it wasn't that direct, but I think I genuinely think he was trying to suss out my reaction and see, you know, because like, he was obviously so sick that the only way he knew how to engage was to kind of like, I it's guess in his unbelievable. mind. Oh, sick. Yeah. Yeah, now it's like, like obviously, I don't want to make light of it because it's fucked up a lot of people. But yeah. I, it's amazing to me being here in Ireland. Do you sense that there, there's definitely a, 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 there must be a shift about how the fucking people feel about the church. Oh, there's a the last two years there's been a massive shift because big reports came out about institutional abuse. There won't be many jokes flying out of my mouth now, but there yeah, was right. massive reports about yeah. institutional abuse, including a report called the Ryan Report, which was like about kids that were sent to kind of like juvenile delinquency centers, except that basically it was just a, a, a home for unwanted kids. And like the type of abuse that went on there, it, it, like sexual abuse is only part of it. Like right. the, the, the torture, like genuine torture was compared to Nazi concentration camps. Holy That's how shit. bad it was. What the, the fuck is wrong with this The report guy? was like genuinely disgusting. Like oh when you God. read it yeah, yeah, yeah. and people marched in Dublin and there was a book of condolences because it was a book of condolence because it was just... And how do they accept you here in general? I mean, it's like, it's interesting to me, like, because you don't really work in the States at all. 
Not much, but seem, I have been doing lately. Right, but you sound really American to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, but outside of the fact that you know, like, you're you're a big celebrity here. I mean, I mean, I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily want to leave, but because when you be, when you're a star in this in this country, there's only four million people here. Yeah, there's only so much you can do. But there's but, only but so many hotel fucking- function rooms you can pack out <laughs> before you know before you want like a decent cup of coffee before and after your show and not have to go through the kitchen of the hotel that smells like bad salmon and fried French fries. You we know? have those in the states. Oh but yeah, yeah, the coffee I can't answer to. Yeah, but I I, I don't like I, why do they accept you so readily? Well, I think how it started, like the trick. I had, I guess, I had a bit of a gimmick at the start. Like, I don't criticize myself for that, but because you still think twenty years later that I sound like I'm straight out of Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, people see me in Ireland, like especially back in those early days, and I'm completely educated here. I was in college when I started, yeah, and I have a degree in Irish history. Yeah, so I just knew all these things about Ireland, and I talked about all the things that I had seen when I came here that I saw through a fourteen-year-old kid from Queen's Eyes, and they were just like. I thought this guy was going to talk about Bill Clinton, and yeah. now he's talking about stuff that we just can't believe he knows. Right, and he has the accents to add to the stories. Yeah, and to them it was just the most amazing thing ever. Well, I and- think that honestly, that there are some Irish people in the states that are actually more Irish in terms of their sense of pride and connection to the country in a weird way. They're aggressively Irish in the States. Oh, yeah, but that's, I think that's, uh, well, two things. In America, the, the sense of identity and who you are is much more important than it is anywhere else in the world, I think. Yeah. You know, especially like in a place right, like Right, as Queens. a community. Yeah, 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 yeah. like we grew up with this sense of like, who, who we are, we are part of the Irish tribe. We yeah. happen to be living in America. So, you know, especially Irish-American Catholics. Yeah. Like, they get very offended about jokes about the church, much more than over here. Right. Ex-nuns excluded. I couldn't uh, believe that. Ex-nun, yeah. yeah. So, but, like, Colin I, Quinn's the same way. Like, yeah, and I've talked, I've talked to him a little bit about you this. Have? Yeah, this whole thing, the, the, the tribe over there yeah. versus the tribe. And, of course, there, but there's also, in America, there's a nostalgia. There's a... The Irish identity in America doesn't really exist anymore. Right. But I believe in the Irish-American identity. Right. But it's a separate thing. You know? Right. And Irish people over here resent it a bit as well. Oh, really? Yeah, because there's that kind of like... They left? Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't stick it out. Yeah, like, yeah. We ate the rotten potatoes and <laughs> yeah, you, you, you fecked you, off you to cowards. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, you got a Big Mac. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I think there's just this sense of we're really Irish and you're not really Irish, you know, and there's a denial of it. Well, you, like, you're also sober, which is fucking baffling. Yeah, well, I didn't make it too far. I'm 19 years old. Right. So you've been sober, what, 20 years? Uh, 15 in next month. So I find that, I mean, do you talk about that? At times. I mean, I haven't talked about it as much. Like, I've had other serious things go on for me, like cancer and other things, and I've, I've been more comfortable talking about that than uh, about, like, sobriety. Isn't that I- interesting? Because, like, I found that, that when I talked about it tonight, and I have been talking about it, that there is, like, I couldn't quite figure out why some jokes weren't working. And that thing worked okay. But it's because there are certain things culturally that, it's not a, a translation thing. Irish people just don't talk about certain things. No, they don't. I mean, you didn't watch my show, but one of the jokes I have is that Irish people are emotionally retarded. Yeah. If there was an emotional Olympics, Ireland would be in the special one. Yeah. And over the years, rather than talk about like recovery stuff, I have talked a lot about Irish people's inability to express themselves, that repression and yeah. that shame. Yeah. But when you hear about all the stuff we were talking about 10 minutes ago, five minutes ago, yeah. you know, there's so much abuse and there's so many secrets that... 
even though it's a sad thing, for a lot of Irish people, they feel like if they open their mouth for five seconds about any of that stuff, something will explode inside themselves, <laughs> and it, like the whole thing will come crashing down, which we know from being sober is not the case. Yeah, but, well, all we do is talk about that shit. Yeah, but fear is a, you know, the fear of like opening that stuff up. And then there's like that further denial where people actively dismiss if you were to do that. So not only, even if you have a desire to do it and you want to do it, when you do it, often people just like- Suck it up. Slam you down. Oh, yeah? Shame you. They, they dismiss it. And then you'll never say it again because there's nothing worse than being honest. Right. And, and, you know, opening up a wound and somebody just fucking a load of alcohol on Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So, you know, the atmosphere is not great for being open What about the hell it. is that about? Did you ever think about it? I mean, why is it like that? Well, because the society is wounded and it's a small society. There's only 4 million people, 5 million if you include the North, right? Yeah. A lot of abuse, ferocious repression from the Catholic Church, because Ireland is unique in that the church had more power here than most other countries. Right. Because even though America, the American Catholic Church had a lot of power, they didn't have power over the whole of society. I mean, the Catholic Church basically- Enslaved Ireland. In yeah, but way. They, like, if you read the 1937 Constitution, yeah. there's, it's riddled with Catholic morality, and some of it is like completely irrational. You know? yeah. And the, 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 spe the government of the time, Eamon de Valera, I mean, his main confidant was Archbishop John Charles McQuaid. Right. And he has turned out to be one of the greatest hiders of pedophilia ever. Yeah. And there was just ferocious shame around all things sexual, and they just had way too much of a reign to leave that stuff Right. So the alignment of politics in the church, the church, you know, scared the fuck out of people and, and they had they were in bed with the politicians who just exploited the whole situation. Yeah, well if you look at all those reports, yeah. I mean the Garda Shiakana, the Irish police, were just as implicit because they were the ones that were going and taking the kids and bringing them into these homes. And even though individually they probably weren't probably weren't bad guys, nobody would even allow themselves to fathom for a moment that they, they could suggest that the church were doing something wrong. That's and that only broke down in 1991. But yeah, but this is one of those things where like even something like psychology or therapists, they, they don't, they, you know, I imagine that it's a, a tough racket here. Yeah, but it's growing. I yeah. mean, people are becoming more aware. And I think you, if you talked about going to a therapist on stage five years ago, you might get a snigger. You wouldn't get that now. I mean, people understand. And let's not forget that Ireland had 10 ridiculous years of economic prosperity that was completely out of proportion to yeah. the amount of money that could have existed in this country. Yeah. And, and, and that, in a way, w like, was spiraled out of control. And that's just gone, too. So you're hitting Ireland at quite an open time. You know? <laughs> there is, you're hitting Ireland at a time where people are going, all right, maybe we need to rethink who we are. Yeah. I'm not as confident about our identity. We've lost the church. Now we've lost our new prosperity. And so who, what is Ireland now? <laughs> now we're two, back to normal. 2010. <laughs> yeah, it's like the great hangover, the great, the whole country needs to go to a meeting. For now, sure. what about this drinking thing? I mean, I can't, like, people, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. That's connected to the wound yeah, that I we're know. talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. But, like, Jesus Christ, I mean, like, it's how they continue to go at it. I mean, these streets in, like, three hours are just a fucking train wreck. Well, that's what I, I wish I'd seen your set earlier because... I would have said, like, this is where I, I love getting under their skin about what's really going on when yeah. they're doing that. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen because you were talking about, oh, the other thing about it is Irish people probably don't identify as much with the whole, uh, like, cocaine binge. No, thing I know. I noticed that. As much as they would identify with, you know, the darkness of just, like, not drink. being able to stop and right, drink. Right, right, right. And I, I, like, I like getting under their skin about what's really going on. You yeah, know? which is what? Well, this is this is a joke I have in my current. Well, yeah. my current show is all about my dad, and he's very ill, uh -huh. right? and he's he's dying now. Uh, yeah, sorry. 
Oh, it's it's cool. I mean, you know, he's a good guy, and like where you know is he here? He's in the states. He's in the states. He's in yeah. Flushing. But uh, I say uh, sometimes when I'm in the mood, I say that uh, essentially what I believe is that underneath all the different layers in Ireland, like the crack, which is the sort of surface level that were great fun, the alcoholism, the abuse. And the anger, you know, underneath all those angers is a fundamental belief amongst Irish people that no one gives a shit, you know. And when, when left with nothing, that nobody would care, that they are hated because they are brought up with language of hate, you know. Yeah. No hugs, no love, just <laughs> slaps and people tell them that they're a piece of shit, right? Yeah. Like that is a common experience here. And if, some, if an Irish person in some way can get the sensation that that is not the case, they will have this explosion, which refers to something that will make no sense. Now I'm right. talking about my dad having like an epiphany, right? When he when he got ill, uh, yeah, having yeah a bit of an epiphany, and it just suits it, it. Just fits into my relationship with my father now, and this this connection that we have that suggests that no matter what, we do give a fuck about each other. Yeah, it's sweet. And Irish people they don't get to that spot because they're too afraid to drop beneath it. But if they ever could, that would be the great epiphany. Well, what- and unfortunately, it's it's booze that they're fucking on top of that wound. And how does that go over when you talk about that? At this stage, I've built. I, at this stage, I've built up enough trust and life experience with the Irish audience that by the time I get to saying something like that, they do accept it. Because to be honest, there's at least thirty to forty percent of the people in the room that won't admit it, but they're thinking, "That's what I really feel." So, what was the moment that you had with your father that that made this bond? Uh, like where you realized that he had given, he had surrendered some of that upbringing, and and there was a connection there. Well, here's a big moment that happened. I mean, I have a good relationship with my dad anyway. He's sober too. Like, we've shared a lot of shit. But he was a model and an actor before I was born. And even though he's a great guy and he's, he's done good in recovery, he, like, has carried around regrets, right? And he was badly abused. Like, his life was ferociously bad. You know, like, it's, 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 it's actually hard to articulate how much shit he's gotten through, which is the comical thing that still, up until recently, he felt in some way that he hadn't, done enough in his life you know even though he had survived ferocious abuse alcoholism and you know like and show business yeah (laughs) so he was he auditioned for james bond and he i guess there was a period of time in his career where like things were on the up and it didn't really would people know him no but he's had some small parts in movies like Uh day of the triffids and zulu and stuff Uh like that but he just worked as a retail manager in my life yeah so basically, when I got into comedy especially, but all my life, he has expressed regrets about the fact that he had let that life go. And in his mind, I think he always thought that if he had made it as an actor, he would be more comfortable with who he is as a human being. Like genuine regrets. Right. And long story short, he was in the hospital, diagnosed with lung cancer, small cell lung cancer, incurable. And like, I came home and we were just around him, you know, strong family stuff. And just me and him were in a hospital room and he says... Do you know something, man? And just let me say before he says this, right? Like, I have actually expressed dissatisfaction to my father in the past about the amount of pressure he puts on me to never give up my job. Yeah. Because he's basically saying, like, there are some miserable parts of me as a result of the regrets that I have, right? And I, 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 don't, I don't like that motivation. I don't consider it a healthy motivation, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, Go succeed for me. Yeah, yeah. Or, or even just, like, don't let yourself have these regrets that I have. So uh, out of nowhere, unprompted by me, he turns around and says, do you know something? It, it, I've really had genuine regrets. Like, I really felt like there were things I should have and could have done in my life. But I'll tell you something. When you get sick and your sons turn up to the plate, 
you know, it's an amazing feeling. And yeah. if I snuff it tomorrow, I'll die a happy man. That's exactly what he said. If I snuff it tomorrow, I'll die a happy man. And like, I actually have goosebumps now just saying it because I just thought of all the things that this man could say, that was the ultimate thing. Yeah. Like if he did die that next day, which he didn't, he's still alive. I would have felt complete. I would have had no right. unsaid things to say, yeah. you know? And, uh, I mean, when I say that my dad had this epiphany, I mean, it, 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 what I genuinely felt was after that, that he was 100% complete because he had realized with the, the clarity of death's imminence yeah. that those things are fucking irrelevant. Yeah. Like 100% irrelevant. Yeah. You know? And... Like the family and the wonderful job that he did for us and all these things. Yeah. They are like infinitely more important. Right. No matter how much our brain can take us back to a place where we would say it could have been so much better. Yeah. And like that's what I meant when I said like when a man truly realizes yeah. that people genuinely give a shit. Yeah. Like, that to me is greater than any spiritual awakening or enlightenment they, sure. that you can have. Like, to know that you're you're loved and that you can accept it. And that, uh, and you can give it back. Yeah, and that you can, like, that you can actually be proud of your achievements because yeah. the raising of a family yeah. in a humble way in Flushing Queens is purely heroic, as yeah. opposed to playing a hero in some fucking movie. You know? Yeah. Like that's a, a much more heroic thing. You well, know? that's a that's a beautiful uh, sentiment, and I think it's a good way to end the talk, man. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Nice thanks a lot, Jez. Uh, we're shaking hands, just in case you. <laughs> Okay, so I've got two more shows tonight. Last night's shows, I think I finally figured it out. I finally figured out how to communicate with the audiences here. It went well, and I'm just starting to realize that some jokes are not going to work, despite the fact that they work fine in America. And I think that the reason is, is that culturally, there's some things that just aren't funny. And it's not a language thing, it's a tone thing. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is a couple of my jokes that I usually close with are just reading as sad. So either I need to tag them a little heavier to relieve the sadness, which certainly the Irish are, uh, you know, like that. They they like sadness relief. It's, an, it's a national pastime. Or I just got to put them earlier in the set. But things are looking up. I didn't uh, give up. And uh, tonight... My last two shows, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's all going to turn around for me. Welcome to the stage from America, Mark Maron! Thank you. Hey, how's it going? I'm American. Let's uh, try to fucking deal with that. Perfect. Laugh at that. That's great. I got a question. I want to make anyone uncomfortable. I've been here for a week. What are you doing with your black people? <laughs> you can tell me. I mean, I, there's none of them here. There's not anywhere here. I mean, I've been to other cities in the world, and they, they have black people in there. So I want to speak up. Or, wait, is, it, is that what black pudding is? Be honest with you. 
Are you grinding up your black people and pawning them off as regional cuisine? Have I eaten black people since I've been here? So fucking people. You guys have been great. Thank you very much. Okay, well, that's it, folks. That is the Kilkenny Festival as I experienced it. I can't say that I conquered, but I survived. Even a little better than that, which I think is not unlike the Irish themselves. Did not want to go home feeling like I had been rejected by an entire culture and country again. It was a beautiful time. I liked being here, but I'm starting to lose touch with who I am. And I'm not Irish. But a lovely time, lovely people, learned a lot. Uh, Hope you had a good time on my trip with me. I'm looking forward to coming home. Uh, As always, go to WTFPod.com for all your uh, WTF needs. Donate a little money, or you can get on the mailing list. That's important, mailing list. I've been very diligent about sending you people emails. Uh, You can also look at our sponsors, JustCoffee.coop is there. I wish I had some sort of like, you know, pithy Irish way to close, but I don't even... I don't have that. I'll come back to Ireland. But right now, I, I need to to get to the States. Okay. I'll see you there, I hope. Okay.